I like a bed that's really firm. I need something a little softer than that. Rest easy. With the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, you can both adjust your comfort with your Sleep Number setting. Can it really help me fall asleep faster? Yes, by gently warming your feet. Okay, but can it help keep us asleep? It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you effortlessly comfortable. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. It's our biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Twenty-two minutes to nine. Been stories in the last couple of days about uh, the inability of the New South Wales government to get access to the uh, COVID nineteen tracing app that we were urged to download. Some five million Australians uh, Australians have done so on their on their phones, and so there was concern that well, was this app going to have any use, practical use at all for health authorities? So I can tell you, it has. News reports coming out of Victoria right now suggest that they have used the app. Uh, as part of the uh, tracing mechanism successfully, um, given that there are these large number of new cases they've got at mm. the moment. So pays to have it. It, it does. And look, if you, if, you, if you haven't downloaded it for whatever crazy reason, um, different if your phone doesn't work or if, you, if you're not a phone user, but this, this idea that you can have a conscientious objection to the use of an app that only provides information to Australia's communicable diseases units... This app is being used in Victoria right now to work out how COVID-19 made it into at least two yep. aged care facilities. Well, they've found someone that had it that they didn't otherwise. It wasn't in a stat that didn't show up as being randomly tested. Yeah. They've found someone. So if you're a conscientious objector, that's what you're objecting to. Yep. The prevention of a new March nursing home scenario in Sydney where 14 elderly people lost their lives. 21 minutes to nine. The uh, Anne-Marie Smith case has shocked people, not just in South Australia, but around the country. We spoke with the uh, Shadow Minister for the NDIS, Bill Shorten, earlier in the week, who's calling for an independent inquiry into how someone could live in, uh, in inverted commas, care for so long uh, and ultimately die and have a condition that's deteriorated so much, uh, living in a way that you would be fine for treating an animal like this. A lot of the questions go to oversight. The questions go to who checks on the people that are meant to be doing the caring, which is where our next guest comes in. Morris Cochran is the former principal community visitor and joins us now. Morris, could you start by, by telling us about your, your former role and, and how it may have interacted with a case like the Anne-Marie Smith case? Oh, well, thanks, David and Will, and for your interest and to your listeners. Yeah, look, the, the role of the principal community visitor and the community visitor scheme was to to do just that, to be the eyes and the ears, basically, of of the minister and the government going in to do uh, both announced and unannounced visits to a range of people with disabilities who are receiving support um, in uh, in houses, many of them in group houses and uh, both government-run services, um, such as Disability SA, but also when we first commenced, it was also to all of the non-government organisations um, and uh, supported residential facilities, which includes hostels, etc. So uh, we would go in. Our visitors are all trained. Most of them were sort of retired professional people. We had, you know, a retired police superintendent. We had a range of people who were social workers or psychologists. Or, but, and um, they would go in, um, they would go through the, the records, the individual plans for people and inquire and whether they were being implemented. But most importantly, try and have conversations mm. with 
individuals and families about their care and support. So why doesn't that position exist any longer? Um, the principal community visitor... The, the community visitor scheme um, in May last year, the government um, and the minister made a decision that um, and advised us that we could no longer visit the non-government organisations, the people in non-government organisations and hostels. So 2,200 people that we were visiting over a number of years, they their, their, their response to me was that because we had the right of entry um, and the regulations that were under the Disability Services Act, uh, a funding act, and those people were no longer being funded through the Disability Services Act. They were getting funded by the Commonwealth. But, you know, on the other side of it, I argued that, well, in all the other jurisdictions where there were community visitor schemes, so Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, the only states that didn't have them were Western Australia and Tasmania. Now, they all made amendments to legislation and changed regulations so that their community visitor schemes could continue in the same way that South Australia did not. So the problem with that, Morris Corcoran, seems to be that the, the state government here seems to be assuming or hoping or expecting that the feds can provide oversight for those 2,200 people who are in privately operated care and at the same time the feds seem to be assuming or expecting or hoping that the state government here would still have been providing that oversight? Well, the, the NDIS Quality and Safeguarding Commission and the head of that commission, Graham Head, had written and, and had expressed the view that he thought it was important for the community visitor schemes to continue. So there was quite a bit of controversy and pushback between states and the Commonwealth. So the Disability Reform Council, and that's all the ministers for disability, commissioned uh, an independent consultancy, Westwood Spice, um, and Roger West is the head of that, um, to do an independent uh, inquiry into the value or not of community visitor schemes um, and whether they still had a role when the NDIS was rolled out and you had the Quality and Safeguards Commission. Now, that report came back extremely positive, highlighting the benefit of what the community visitor schemes do in proactively going in and monitoring on a regular basis people with disabilities and accommodation. And they recommended that the states that had community visitor schemes should ensure that there was adequate funding for them to complete their role and that the two states that didn't have community visitor schemes, they should consider developing and implementing community visitor schemes. Now, the state government had had that report for six months prior to May last year, but they still went ahead and uh, they ultimately they, they said to me that our, our community visitors our, who are volunteers, but they're trained and you know, many of them got professional backgrounds, um, would not be covered under the state government insurance um, if something happened to them when they're out doing visits etc so really I had to we had to stop we had to cease. do you think they did it for cost reasons no I don't think they did um, Minister Lemsick at the time when I put the argument to her said that they were still negotiating with the with the Commonwealth about who should be responsible for for funding the scheme but my argument was well 
the other jurisdictions have continued um, to fund theirs, um, and they're all set up differently under different legislation, slightly different models. And like here in South Australia, as was also to visit all those people um, in mental health units and emergency departments of hospitals. So it wasn't just people with disabilities. We visited a range of different areas, and that was the same with the interstate community visitor schemes. Mm. Just finally, Morris, um, how, how is it? We've had a lot of questions along these lines. I know you and I had had, had a, a reasonably lengthy chat yesterday afternoon ahead of teeing up this, this interview, but how is it possible that just one carer could have been responsible for Anne-Marie for, for as long as six years? I mean, presumably she'd need time off, she'd need annual leave, she might have a sick day. How, how is it that just one person... Just does not, it just does not make sense. You, you know, to have six hours, people um, meant to be there for six hours a day, um, and like you say, people get sick. Yeah. Uh, and whether she was falsely claiming to be there, I know I saw reports from neighbours that they said, you know, they seemed to pop in, but not, you know, not didn't appear to be there too long. Yeah. But I, I guess the thing to me, the other question I have is, but poor lady had an NDIS plan too, and mm. that's required. That's required to be reviewed by the planners from the NDIA, the National Disability Insurance Agency, or the local area coordinator. So, surely they would have gone to the house to do that review. Um, and surely they would have picked up on something. Yeah, yeah. A host of unanswered questions. Mm. Uh, Morris, appreciate you giving us some broader context about the role that, that Morris used to fill, which literally they went in to make sure things were, were tickety-boo. But he, he, he's the guy too. He, this bloke is a gun in the disability space. He actually set the scheme up in June 2011. Right. So he knows the whole yep. history of it because he basically invented it. So there's, there's the oversight question, but there's also the question about, you know, how can it, how can it be irrespective of one person's alleged ignorance or negligence, that there was only one. It yeah, <laughs> makes yeah, no sense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 12 to 9, those questions will come out, and uh, we'll get into that because it's a story Actually, worth persisting with on uh, on 5AA Breakfast. Just been told, um, understand, that the government is making an announcement shortly on the easing of restrictions in SA. Unrelated to this case? COVID-19 stuff, yeah. Oh, OK. Mm. Yep. Any, other, any further insight? No, that's all I've heard. All so I've there heard. will be an announcement. Yep. Do you want to do some baseless speculation? Is it? I'm, I'm guessing. Is it a coincidence that coincides with the pub's plea today for well relaxation? I, think I would not be surprised if there. I would. I would actually hope that there's something along those lines ahead of the June long weekend. It following the late announcement yesterday of the the police mate changing the game when it comes to um, the AFL clubs makes a bit of sense as well. I reckon. Because a lot of people were going, well, hang on, why, A, what's changed? And B, why is the government spending so much time worried about AFL teams and not the rest of us? So the timing June, June of it makes 5th. sense. It's going to be June the 5th. So at the moment it's June the 8th, yep. which is where we can go up to groups of 20 and all of that sort of stuff. But the, the restrictions on, on, on pubs and the number of people who can dine at restaurants and so on, it's being brought um, backwards to June the 5th. For, so to accommodate the June long weekend? Yeah. Well, breaking news here on 5AA Breakfast. We'll have more on that when it's announced officially uh, over the course of the day in 5AA. Finding the right foundation is harder than ever. Il Maquillage makes it easy to find your perfect match online. No store required. 
With 50 shades of flawless coverage and over 60,000 five-star reviews, the hype is real. Their online quiz uses AI to find your ideal shade in seconds. And with Try Before You Buy, you can try your full-size shade at home free for 14 days. Take the quiz at ilmakiage.com slash quiz. I-L-M-A-K-I-A-G-E dot com slash quiz.